0: Welcome to From Earning to Learning, the podcast where we talk about all things education. I'm your host, Dave Franjosa. Welcome to episode nine of From Earning to Learning. I'm your host, Dave Franjosa. The excitement of developing something is the opportunity to use it and see the impact that it has. The implementation of these ideas is just as important as the concepts themselves. If we don't present them in a way that makes sense and is useful to students, they won't use them, which can lead to some frustration. As I mentioned in episode six, we strategically release each rubric and unlock levels of those rubrics when appropriate. This is to keep the focus on the level of development we're striving for at that Point in the year. We don't want students looking ahead and trying to accomplish things that we haven't prepared them for yet. It's also important to explicitly discuss at the beginning of the year how important these rubrics are as they are the foundation for all communication for the remainder of the year. As you introduce a new level, make sure to discuss how the expectation is changing, and provide some helpful hints as to how students can meet these new challenges. Get students used to using these as a resource to discuss their progress and develop questions about the support that they need to continue in their learning. The way I use these falls into three main categories. Student self-assessment, peer feedback, and teacher feedback in all aspects of their classroom experience, I want them to think about learning in the same way and use the same language when discussing it. We're trying not to split their attention, which is a concept from cognitive load theory. I'll discuss that more in detail in episode 11. Self-assessment is a powerful tool in learning that, in my opinion, is not used often enough. The effect size of setting standards for self-judgment is 0.62, and metacognitive strategies such as awareness of strengths in areas of opportunity and reflection, to name a couple, have an effect size of 0.60. So how do these rubrics fit in? We've already taken the time to make our language clear and set the expectation. And with practice and guidance, students will be able to use them to evaluate their own work and see what they can improve to attain the next level of development. How we get there is by putting these rubrics on all independent practice opportunities. We encourage students to refer to the rubrics often. If they're stuck, we might ask them some guiding questions to get them to understand how to use the rubrics. What level are you trying to attain? What are the expectations of that level that you've already satisfied? What criteria do you still need to address? As the year progresses, they need fewer of these nudges to start asking these questions of themselves. As students try to meet these expectations, they'll become more aware of the things that they do well and the things that they need a little bit of help on. Because the focus is on improving the work and not a judgment on how well students have done, I've noticed that they're more critical of their work, which leads them to producing higher quality work by the end of the year. This also leads to better peer interactions. It gives them a solid understanding of what they're trying to accomplish and the language to communicate it. So during our collaborative work, students can now have more productive discussions or disagreements because they're rooted in learning language. The discussion is no longer about what needs to be done, it shifts to was it approached in a way that addresses the expectation. I'm always so impressed when I hear students passionately defending their decisions and arguing from evidence. This collaborative work is an important aspect of my classroom. And along those lines we do peer reviews. This is an opportunity for students to see how their peers approach an assignment. They can provide constructive feedback based on these rubrics and respond to the feedback they receive from their peers as well. Being that we're using the learning language framed in the rubrics, the vast majority of students provide useful, positive, and appropriate feedback to their peers. Finally, These rubrics are the foundation of all communication I have with students and parents. For students, it's pretty straightforward. These are the expectations. Here are the things that you're showing a high level of understanding in. These are a couple of things that you can do to enhance your work to achieve that next developmental level. The bonus of making the academic feedback so streamlined is it opens the opportunity for me to have more personal conversations with students and to get to know them individually. Parent communication has been extremely positive since this switch as well. It's been years since I've had a negative parent interaction. Now, that's not to say that all parents fully understand or agree with what we're doing, but it's clear we have an expectation and a plan that's been communicated to all students. Rather than bickering over whether or not a student deserves an extra point to get a higher grade, we discuss the strengths and areas of opportunity. We can create a more specific action plan instead of saying vague things like, well, they need to focus or come for extra help or turn in their homework. Um, And with these rubrics and learning progressions, It's easier to trigger these interventions earlier in the year. Our focus is always on student improvement. We abandon deficit thinking and move to strengths perspective, which I'll discuss in the next episode.